Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. We're on this series called The Secret Sauce of Prayer and Fasting, and I hope it's been ministering to you and encouraging you. We, we just finished Tuesday. It was our 21 days of prayer and fasting to start out the year and excited about what God is going to do in your life as well as in the church's life and and, and moving forward. So just because we're done fasting doesn't mean we're done praying. So we're going to now we're, we're on a new era, a new time frame where now we're praying and feasting instead of praying and fasting. So we're excited about that part. So we're looking forward to it today. So uh, when you came in, you got a worship guide. There's sermon notes available for you there. You can pull those out and follow along if you'd like. Or version Bible app users for your phone or your electronic device, you can use those to get the sermon notes. If you've got your Bible, though, every time we open the Bible, we believe God's got something to say to us, that he wants to talk to us, so we get pumped and we get excited up in here to hear from God. So if you've got them today, open them up to Luke chapter 18. <laughs> Woo! Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Luke chapter 18, secret sauce. Put some sauce on this message today in the name of Jesus. We've been talking about prayer and, and giving you the basic principles of establishing a prayer life. How many of us we need a prayer life? So we've been giving some basic principles on how to do that. And the reason we're doing it is because we don't want you to be intimidated by prayer. We don't want you to be uh, talk yourself out of it just to say, I can't do that. That's for spiritual people. I'm just me. Guess what? We all deal with difficulties and challenges in praying. Most people assume that everybody else pray. You might think that I just say, hey, God, we just have this online thing. We just talk. It's just so easy. There's times I struggle in prayer. So it's just, I want to encourage you in that. We'll give you two principles that we've talked about. One was set a time and a place. Hopefully you're setting a time and place for your prayer life because you may know this prayer won't happen on accident. God's never going to interrupt you scanning through your Instagram feed to make you pray. We have to set a time. Lee Cockrell, the former executive vice president of Walt Disney World, he once managed 40,000 employees and over 1 million customers per week. He said this, what gets scheduled gets done. What's going to get done in our life? What we set a schedule for. Not how we, well, I just don't have time to pray. Wait, we got time for other stuff. We will have time to pray when we schedule prayer. This is what time we meet. This is what time I meet God. This is where I meet him, so we schedule it. It's in our calendar. Nothing else can interrupt that. This is my 15 minutes. This is my 30 minutes. This is my hour. You put it on the calendar and say, this is me and God. I'm not available in this time frame. That's how you do it. Set a time and place. Number two, we talked about what do we pray. First was, was when and where, and two was what. We pray word-based prayers. Talked about praying the word of God. I don't know what to pray, Chad. I don't know what to say. Sometimes I don't either. So you can do a couple things. You can pray in the Spirit, or you can just pray the Word of God back to Him. Isaiah 55, I give you this scripture, 10 and 11, for as the rain comes down, the snow from heaven, and doesn't return there, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth, and bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be, this is God talking, that goes forth from His mouth, it shall not return to Him void. How does God's Word return to Him from our mouth? So when I'm declaring God's word back to him, I'm returning his word back to him. It will not come back to him empty, void, or worthless, but it, everybody say it. It's talking about the word. It shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. 
What is going to actually do the work in our life? It is God's Word. My desires don't move God. His Word moves Him. All right, that, that was a different, we already talked about that. Number three, talk about time and place, where, then we talk about what, then we're talking about how. We're going to finish this up. How, talk about praying bold, praying believing. Praying bold, praying believing. Today we're going to talk about bold. We're going to finish up praying bold. I thought I may have said that, hey, next week we'll talk about praying believing. So if you came expecting that, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to lie. I just felt like there were some things that God wanted me to bring out about praying bold. Next week, though, we're going to pray about uh, talk about praying, believing. Spend two weeks on that. That's my, my goal. We'll see what happens with that. Sometimes I have great goals that don't come to pass. But anyway, we're, then we'll talk about praying, believing. So pray bold. Anybody got Luke 18? You found that yet? Let's, let's go ahead. Let's read this. Then he spoke a parable to them, he being Jesus, that men always ought to pray. Women also, no, we're gender equity here, equal opportunity. Men and women always ought to pray and not lose heart saying, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. Pay attention. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? I want to pray. Father, I just thank you for your word that is truly a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. I thank you, Lord, that your word gives us life and strength. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will come and just open it up to us. I pray for clear communication, clear understanding. And Lord, I pray that you will bring revelatory understanding, things that we don't even know about, bring them to life. So Lord, I give you praise for everything that happens today. Let Jesus be lifted up and everybody be drawn close to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, now notice the, this is a parable. And a parable is just a short moral story with a symbolic meaning. So Jesus tells this parable. Now, important to know about the Bible, it's chapter 18, but the Bible wasn't written in chapters. It was just a letter by the Luke. So chapter 18 goes along with chapter 17. So when Jesus said this parable, it's attached or it's continuing. It's a continuing parable, a continuing illustration, illustration from 17. Now, when you have time, read through chapter 17. It's talking about the return of Christ. So it's when you're praying about Jesus returning. Anybody glad that Jesus is going to return someday and take us back to heaven with him? Pumped about that. A lot more than you are right now. But I mean, anyway. <laughs> but, so this parable is about, it's a continuing illustration of that. And notice what he says. Men ought always to pray. So now he's talking about prayer. So this whole parable is dealing on the subject of prayer. Jesus answers two important questions about prayer. And I want you to get these today. Jot these down, or you got them there in your sermon notes. Two important questions about prayer. Number one, how often should we pray? And number two, how long should we pray? How often and how long? He answers them there in verse one. He says, men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Let's look at the first one. How often should we pray? Men always. Everybody say always. Always ought to pray. The first one, how often is always. How often should you and I pray? Always. Speaks to frequency, habit, consistency. If we're going to get a prayer life, if we're going to talk to God, here's what we got to do. 
Here's how often we pray. Always. How often do you pray? Always. Always. We pray always. means we got to have some frequency to it. Got to have some consistency to it. Now, when I say always, it doesn't mean that we never do anything but prayer. It's not like we're shutting ourselves up in a room and we're just praying all the time. That word always just means on every occasion or at all times. So it doesn't mean that we're praying all the time. It just means we pray on every occasion. We pray all the time. We pray about everything. There's not, some people are intimidated to think like there's certain things I should pray about and certain things I shouldn't bother God with. How many's ever heard somebody say, you know what, God's got bigger things to deal with than my issue. Like we think God doesn't care about little old you or what you're walking through. We pray about everything. Always pray. I don't care how big or how little. He's not just concerned about world peace. He's not just concerned about these grand things. He's also concerned about you and what's going on with you and your family, at work, at school, that friend. It doesn't matter. He cares about everything. So pray always. Everybody say always. always. I'm always going to pray. First Thessalonians chapter 5 says this. Rejoice always. Pray without what? Without, without ceasing in everything. Give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So we're going to pray without ceasing. We're going to pray all the time. Prayer is just talking to God. So we need to pray before you take that test at school. Pray about everything. Pray before you make that presentation at work. Pray before that meeting with your boss. Pray before that meeting with your staff. Pray about everything. Pray before your basketball game, your volleyball game, your softball game, whatever, soccer game. Pray before everything. Pray before you send that text message. Why can we all connect on that one and we don't always connect on the other one? Pray before you send that email. Pray before you pick up that phone and give them a piece of your mind. Pray before you go up and talk to that teacher or that coach. Or How many illustrations do you need to connect with this? We need to pray about everything. But we think I can handle this one. God, you just sit down. How many times have we? <laughs> oh, we've all done it. God, I don't want to bother you with this petty thing. I've got this one under control. Honey, come here. There's a few things I want to tell you. Pray before you talk to your spouse. Yeah, just, just receive. Just receive. So praying always, not only, we get, you know, how many, if you can fill up with one thing, it'll keep other things from getting in. So praying always takes up space that might be occupied by something else. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7 says this, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We're talking about praying always. Notice what he says, Be anxious for nothing, but pray about everything. Two things about be anxious for nothing we need to know. Be anxious for nothing. You could also, that sentence could also read, become anxious for nothing. Now the word anxious means apprehension, anxiety, worry. What we need to understand is God is not expecting us to not feel anxious, not feel worried. He just says don't become that. There's a big difference. Sometimes we have this false perception that I'm supposed to walk through life and never feel fear. The Bible never tells me to never feel fear. It says don't be afraid. There's one thing to feel anxiety. There's another thing to become anxiety. 
to give in to where now my identity is wrapped up in that thing. That I'm going to feel worried about things, but we got to realize that just because I feel it doesn't mean we have to become it. Become anxious for nothing. Don't become that. Don't let it define you. There's significant things in our society we, that we deal with that are real anxiety disorders. It happens. It's a real thing in our society. I'll give you some statistics on it, some statistics on it. According to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the U.S., affecting 40 million adults in the U.S. age 18 or older, or 18% of the population. Dealing with panic attacks, obsessive compulsive disorder, post-traumatic stress disorders. Be careful. See, because we start labeling certain things in society and culture, and we start throwing them out like catchphrases or colloquialisms. One might be like this. You may be a person that you like things neat and tidy in a certain way, and you start saying, well, I just have a, I am just obsessive compulsive. You're not necessarily obsessive compulsive. You don't have to have a disorder to have a habit. I don't have to have a disorder to have a behavior. This is just how God made me. I'm not going to claim I have obsessive compulsive disorder. I'm just going to say this is the way God made me. I just don't like junk right there on the floor. Pick that up. It's driving me nuts. <laughs> you know, it's okay. But sometimes we, we take them because I, I can't be something, I can't feel it, so I can't ever be afraid. But, it, but that's not what he's talking about. When he says don't be anxious for nothing, it doesn't mean be anxious for nothing doesn't mean we don't do anything. Be anxious for nothing doesn't mean we simply don't do anything. How many ever had somebody tell you this? You're dealing with something, they're totally detached from it. They have no skin in the game whatsoever. They're not dealing with that at all. They're not related to it. They're not connected to it. It's driving you crazy. And they came up to you and they have, have the audacity to say, well, just don't worry about it. You just want to punch them in the mouth. They said, don't worry about it. Be anxious for nothing is not the answer. The answer is in the next part of the verse. See, it's not be anxious for nothing, like just don't worry about it. Like take worry out of your life. No, it's not just stop worrying. It's what are you doing instead. Don't tell someone to stop worrying. Tell them to do something instead of worrying. When I say don't worry, that's just pointing out the problem. Pointing out the problem never helps anybody. Bring a solution to the table. Well, you just need to stop worrying about it. Okay, great. You know, you just get all worked up because someone's just saying, you need to stop doing something, and they're not attached to it at all. They need to say, hey, I know you're worried about it. I know you're dealing with that. Try this. Fill up with that. And when I fill up, because notice what it says. What's the next thing it says? In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Within everything. So instead of being anxious, if I pray about everything, now I fill up on prayer, I fill up on God, I fill up on what he says, it leaves less room for anxiety to come into my life. So don't just say, don't worry about it. Say, pray more. We need to worry less and pray more. Sometimes we think if we will worry about it and worry and worry and worry, stop calling yourself a worry wart. Who wants to be associated with a wart anyway? Just don't be connected with that. So pray more, worry less. That's what he's saying. He says, be anxious for nothing. And look what happens. And the peace of God which passes, surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and minds. Anybody want more peace than you, and you want less anxiety? 
then we pray always in everything. Praying always can help keep us from becoming, becoming anxious. Doesn't mean I won't feel it. I'm just not going to become it. So how often we pray? Always. How often do we pray? We pray always. Number two, how long? How long do we pray? Jesus is answering this. There in verse two, men always ought to pray and not lose. All right, make sure everybody's paying attention. I'll just try to get men always ought to pray and not lose, not lose heart. What does that mean? The word lose heart there is a Greek word that means to become discouraged or disheartened, to lose motivation or give up. He says, don't give up, don't lose your motivation, don't get discouraged, don't be disheartened. So I asked the question after I read that, why do we get discouraged and give up about anything in life? You think about it. Why, what are things in your life? Why would we give up? Why would we lose heart? Why would we get discouraged? Most of the time, the, some of the things I came up with is because we're not seeing the results we want. Nothing's changing, right? I'm trying this. I'm doing this. They said if I ate these things and didn't eat these things and did that, then I would start losing weight. But I'm not seeing the results, so give me a blizzard right now. Or what, I don't know what it is for you. Maybe, maybe it's I've tried this. I'm trying. They, you said, I, you know, I was told that if I act this way and treat him this way, then things would work out in my marriage. But I've been doing it and doing it and doing it, and he's not changing or she's not changing. When do we get discouraged? When do we give up when we're not seeing the results we want to see? Am I right? And, but God says don't lose heart. Well, how, how do I not lose heart when it's not changing? It's not moving. It's not shifting. The word discourage means discourage, to deprive of courage. Here's what I believe the enemy wants to do. He wants to take our courage and remove it out of our hearts. He wants to diss your courage. Wants to diss it. Wants to rain on it. We've all got courage. How do we get discouraged? How do we become discouraged? We're going to feel discouraged. I feel discouraged weekly after I preach. I do, after every time, I feel, feel the feeling of discouragement will come as soon as I get off the stage. It's just a strategy. I, I know what's going to happen. But now, whether I become discouraged or not is totally my choice to agree with that thought or not agree with that thought. The presence of a thought does not mean we have to receive it. So you say he wants us to become discouraged. Now give me a scripture. Jo Joshua chapter 1, he's getting ready to go into the promised land getting ready to possess everything that God has for him. And here's what God tells Joshua. Three times over four verses, you think he would get the message. Verse 6, be strong. Be strong. You notice how he said, be anxious for nothing? Now he says, be strong and of good courage. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Have you not been paying attention? Didn't I say this over the last two verses? Be strong and of good courage. Why did he tell him to be strong and of good courage, be strong, very courageous, be strong and of good courage? When do you need courage? When do you need strength? You need courage when you have opposition to your courage. You need strength when you have opposition to your strength. We don't need courage for a life with no problems. When God says be courage, be encouraged or, or be be strong and of good courage. When he says be strong, he's telling you, you and I, we're going to need it. I know that's really encouraging. But it's the truth. Sometimes we walk into life and we think we don't need strength and courage. You need to be strong and of good courage. Why? Because you're going to face some adversity this week. 
You're going to face some opposition. We've got to be ready for it. He says, be strong. Be of good courage, Joshua. You're going into the promised land. Oh, we think promised land. Ooh, grapes on poles. Living the high life. This is going to be great. What? Easy. No, you got enemies. You got to overcome them. Be strong and of good courage. This is what God's telling you. He's prepping us for it. So we pray always, pray often. We don't, do not lose heart. So now they got these two points. He said, I want you to pray always, and I don't want you to lose heart. And then he illustrates those two points of prayer with a story. Context. Stay with me. He's talking about prayer. says, I want you to pray always about everything, and I want you to not lose heart, get discouraged, and give up and lose motivation. Then he tells this story. Let's check out the story. There's two characters in this story. Verse 2, we'll find him. There's a certain city, a judge, who didn't fear God or regard man. That's the first character. This guy had no feelings of respect or reverence for God. No respect, doesn't acknowledge anybody of higher status, doesn't acknowledge anybody better than him, has no motivation to please people, has no motivation to please God, doesn't care what people think. He thinks he's top of the food chain. He's the judge. He answers to no one. That's the first character. Second character, go in verse 3. Now there was a widow in that city. And she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. So now we have a widow, a woman who's a widow, a widow woman. Not a little woman, widow woman, but a widow that is a woman. I have to say that clearly or I start thinking. Anyway, widow woman. And here's the widow in this city. Number one, she's in a society that's dominated by males. Very much discriminatory towards females. Not only is it discriminatory towards females, but now widows are even a lower class than that. So here's our two characters. See, Jesus could have told this parable because it's just a story. He's just telling a story. He could have told this story about a poor man. Why did he choose a woman and why did he choose a widow woman at that? Because he wanted to show a huge contrast in the likelihood of this woman with her social status, with this kind of guy who doesn't give a rip about God or people, and he's calling the shots, what are the likelihoods of her getting justice or him doing for her what she wanted him to do? Her odds are slim and none, and slim's out of town. She has virtually no shot in this case, right? Right? Jesus is picturing that there is no way it's going to happen in the natural. Anybody ever had something in your life you're believing God for, and in the natural, it looked like there was no shot it was going to happen? Looks like there was no way it would turn out. No way it's going to turn around. This relationship's never going to turn around. My job, my finances, my health is never going to turn around. This is the picture that Jesus is painting for you and for me in prayer. Two characters. Now look what she says. She goes to him. She says, hey, uh, give me justice for my adversary. My adversary there is just an opponent in a lawsuit, an accuser. Somebody's come to her in court case because she is a widow, probably trying to take advantage of her, took her to court for something, and she needs justice. She's had, there's an injustice done against her, and she's coming to the judge, says, I want justice. And look at verse 4. It says, and he would not for a while. Would not for a while. Now, notice there's no time frame put on that. He would not for a while. Again, we're talking about prayer because how long is a while? Depends who you ask. You ever said, how long has that been? Well, it's been a while. How long is that? It's open. And there's very good reason why Jesus left this time frame open. 
because if he would have put a, a date stamp on it, it would have excluded somebody. If he'd have said she went to him for a month, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, but I've been here for a year. If he'd have said it had been a year, you've been, yeah, well, I've been believing God for two years. Or Because there's no date stamp, that while applies to you and applies to me. Applies to everyone. I don't know how long your while is, but God said we're all in it together. She went to him for justice for a while, and he wouldn't do anything. But afterward, everybody say afterward. Now, 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 after what? After, afterward, after, he wouldn't do it for a while, but afterward, I'll, I'll come back to that. He said within himself, though I do not fear God, he's just reminding himself that I'm not doing this for any other reason. Jesus is emphasizing it isn't because he, God convicted him to do it. It wasn't because he felt the peer pressure of other people. I do not fear God, nor do I regard man. Yet, because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her or I will give her justice lest by her continual coming she weary me. Now we know what afterward was. Because he wouldn't do it for a while. But afterward, after what? After her continual coming. He said, I, I'm worried about this lady. I don't fear God and I don't fear people, but I'm worried about this lady. I'm worried about her continual coming. She weary me. Now, it's really interesting, the word weary. I looked it up. Say so that in the Greek word, this word for, for weary, it's actually, it's actually the literal word for under the eye and to strike someone under the eye or to black an eye. This, this dude is starting to be concerned for his physical well-being. He's like, I don't know, this woman's got crazy eyes or something. He's like, she may, he, he said, she weary me. She's wearing me out. Anybody ever been worn down before? Parents are just thinking yes in the name of Jesus right now. You're like, you said no, and you felt pretty strong about your no in the beginning, and they kept coming, kept saying please, can I come? That's why I encourage you as a parent, if you're going to say no about something, make sure it's something you're willing to really hold your no on, or otherwise your no starts to lose street cred. <laughs> if they could talk you out of it every time, you need to move your barrier in a different location. Let your yay be yay and your nay be nay. Anyway, that's parenting. Let's move on. So he says, let by the, what's going to, he's worried, he's getting afraid that she's going to do something because she keeps coming. Now, this is important. Not just coming, her continual coming. Not, not, not just coming, this widow is continually coming. Now here's what the word continual means. Are you ready for this? I hope you are. This is really good. This sets the stage for everything. It's the Greek word telos, and it means the point where something ends, terminates, or is completed, the conclusion or a goal. The conclusion or goal of something. How do we apply that, Chad? Here's how it applies to me. You apply it however the Lord shows you, but here's what I got out of it. Continual coming, then, means this kind of coming is not attached to a period of time, but it is attached to the accomplishment of a goal. This woman isn't coming with anything in mind of how long it takes. She's coming with everything in mind is the goal that she's after. The clock and the calendar is not her goal. Justice is her goal. She keeps coming because her goal is not about how long it takes. The goal is getting why I'm coming. 
Too many times in prayer, remember the context of prayer? Our prayers are attached to it a period of time more than they're attached to a goal. I'll pray, but man, it's been a month. Wait a minute. Are we praying towards a goal? Are we praying towards a clock? Are we praying towards a goal? Or are we praying towards a watch, a calendar? What's, what's, this woman didn't come. Her continual coming. The thing that was freaking this judge out is he saw something in her eyes. This woman didn't care. She was shameless. You know how most of the time you'll ask people a lot and then eventually that thing will kick in. You'll be like, okay, this is getting weird. I don't want to bother them. You know what I mean? Like someone's supposed to get back with you and they haven't gotten back with you. So you text them. You're like, hey, uh, just following up to see uh, if you've uh, you know, decided anything on that. No pressure. Just wanted to run it by you and just make sure. I was just thinking about it today. They don't get back with you. Again, another few days go by. Okay, so I'm just sending them an email. So, hey, just, hey, just following up about the thing we're going to get together on. Just make sure you're still. At what point, then you, okay, I'm going to call them, but I don't want to call them. I don't want to feel like I'm being another. This woman didn't care. He saw that in her eyes. So I better do something. This woman has a goal, and it's not attached to time. He's talking about prayer. He said, she just keeps coming. She keeps coming. So I, I, as I was thinking about this, I thought, okay, what are we going to do about this? So I had this illustration. I, uh, the LSU Tigers, Louisiana State University, just won the national championship in college football. Now, I'm not an LSU fan, but I was watching a um, press conference and the coach, Ed Orgeron, was doing this interview. And he, he's, they did this little clip, and they showed it. And I was like, as soon as he said it, I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, I'm a, I'm a sports guy, a football guy, so it may not connect with you the way it connected with me. But, but it, it did something for me. And so I, I, I brought the clip. I wanted to play this clip because you can't just get it without being in the moment. So I, here's the question. I will set it up. The reporter asked the coach, said, now, now coach, the changes that you're making, do you feel like it's setting the stage for where you want this program to be in the coming years? And this was his response. Check it out. you feel like this is laying the groundwork for next year and years to come? We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down. Look at him eyes. you feel like this is laying the groundwork for next year and years to come? We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down. This is what the woman said. We coming. We coming. We ain't backing down. Go Tigers. That's what she, that's what she said. I believe she said that to the judge. I, I believe he saw this in her eyes. But she said, we coming. We coming. And I ain't backing down. He said, no, go away. The next day he saw, we coming. We coming. Something about that. So she wasn't backing down. She wasn't going away. Now listen, this is important about the story. The story is not a comparison of us being the woman and the father being the unjust judge. This is not a comparison. This is a contrast. Oh, you need to know the difference. Look at that. Look what it says. Look at verse, verse 6. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God 
not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. If this woman who has no cultural clout, no way of getting justice in the natural, if she just by coming can convince this unjust judge who doesn't fear God and doesn't fear man to give her justice, how much more will your heavenly Father who loves you answer your prayer when you come to him day and night? He's not like the unjust judge. Second Timothy says he's a righteous judge. We're not coming to an unjust judge. We're coming to a righteous judge. So he says, this persistence in this woman is what I want you to imitate, but I'm going to treat you differently than the unjust judge. I started thinking about this, and I thought, oh, Lord, what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us? What, in, what if in 2020 at the Rhodes Church we just keep coming? What if we just keep coming? What if we just keep coming in prayer? What if we keep coming after it? You know, you're in one of, and I always like Rocky illustrations, but you know, after Apollo 1, or Apollo 1, Rocky 1, Rocky 2, he wants to rematch with Rocky and, and his manager, Apollo Creed, or not, Apollo Creed's manager comes up to him and he says, you don't want, to, you don't want this guy. He's all wrong for you, champ. He's all wrong for you. I saw you beat that man like I've never seen anybody beat before and he just kept coming. What if? See, because I'm going to speak to people who've lost heart. Because we have all lost heart. It's easy to jump in and say, I'm praying, I'm believing something's going to happen. But I'm talking about what's happened when you get discouraged. See, we're not, we don't keep coming because we don't have disappointment. We don't keep coming because we don't have discouragement. We don't keep coming because we've never failed. We just keep coming because our goal is not getting what I want from God. My goal is Him. I keep coming after Him. I don't know how it's going to turn out every time, but I keep coming. Just keep coming. Keep praying. Well, I'm not seeing breakthrough like I need to see. I know. Keep coming. We coming. We coming. And I ain't backing down. What if you told that to fear? What if you told that to the devil? What if you told that to opposition? What if you told that to intimidation in your brain? You said, we coming. I ain't backing down. I'm here. I'm still praying. I'm still believing God. What if, you, what if, the, what if the enemy said that about you? What if he said that he looked at all, all the demonic forces, the kingdom of darkness, and he said, I don't know what to do with these people. They just keep coming. I know what I'm throwing into their life. I know the thoughts I'm planting in their head. I know the discouragement that I'm trying to throw their way. I know what I'm telling people to say about them, but they just keep coming. They just keep praying. I want to encourage somebody who's lost heart. There's a bunch of people watching online right here in the room that you've gotten discouraged. Keep coming. Keep coming. Whatever you say, well, Chad, I, I, I did that and then that didn't happen. Or I did that, and that happened. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. My goal is not that moment. My goal is bigger than that moment, because I'm coming after Him. And in this moment, I'm not going to be denied. I'm not going to be denied what God has for me. I may not see the answer that I want to see in the moment, but my goal is not my preference. My goal is what He has for my life. I'm going to keep coming.
God's wanting to stir your heart today. Pray always and don't lose heart. I want the enemy to be able to say about you that they just keep coming. I tried to get them out. I tried to talk them out. I tried to scare them out. I tried to do whatever I could to get them to lay down their gifts and callings and walk away from it. I tried to get them to lay down and forget and just accept that as part of their life and nothing's ever going to change. I tried to get them to think that their spouse was never going to change. I tried to get them to let go and just let that be what it's going to be. But they just kept coming. If the unjust judge will let go, what is a loving father going to do in our life? I said, my plenty of share, my plenty of shares of disappointment in my life. But I said this to God. I watched that and I said, ah, oh, that's me. I'm going to keep coming. I'm going to keep coming. And I ain't backing down. I've, I've shared pretty openly last year's a pretty discouraging year for me. The devil tried to steal. He tried to diss my courage. But through his 21 days of prayer and fasting, I'm adopting Coach O into my heart in prayer. I'm going to say coming. I ain't backing down. We're coming. I don't know. The enemy's going to say, where are they coming from? How come these people keep coming? How come people keep coming and getting saved and getting involved in relationships? And how come they keep coming after Southern Illinois and believing God and they don't just throw up their hands and say, who knows? We just keep coming. We're believing God's going to do something. They keep coming after healing. You know, when there's disappointment, disappointment, it doesn't matter. They just keep praying. As you can see, I'm a little excited about it. I want to close with this. Yeah, yeah. Here's what I feel like God wants to do today. If you've ever felt disheartened, discouraged, disappointed, and wanted to lose heart, maybe you've already lost heart. Maybe there's some of you who stopped praying about things. I had people after the first service come to me, thank you, that was me. I had stopped praying because I thought it was never going to change. I'm telling you, I can, I can point to people and say they're where they are because they didn't lose heart. They kept coming. You kept coming. You kept coming. You kept coming. Don't stop. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to touch hearts today for people who need to come again. It's time to come again. Continual coming. Not attached to a time frame. Attached to a goal. Set your heart. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.